Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast is ranked in the top 2.5% of the most popular podcasts globally, and it is all because of my incredible guests. I am honored and blessed to share time with people who are at the top of their game and who are absolutely willing to help you get to where you want to be in life and in business. Now, these are not people who hold back. Their goal is to share with you the essence of peak performance. And today my guest, Jessie Berg, is here to talk about her business passion, turning chaos into systems for small business owners. Jessie started her journey as an entrepreneur after a series of what sounds like very toxic work environments. She thought, surely there has to be a way to value employees, pay a living wage, and still be able to work outside. So as she built her landscaping company, Pairs to Perennials, I love that name, she discovered being a business owner amplified her voice and she began advocating for trades and seasonal and gig economy works. Now launching her second business, Outgrow Your Garage, another name I love, she is building that advocacy work and teaching other trades, services, and mobile companies how to grow sustainably and equitably. Jesse, welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. It's good to have you here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here this morning. Thank you. So tell me a bit about yourself. I mentioned I love the names of your companies. Yeah, they're important. And you know, I'm always preaching to people. People need to understand when they read that name what what they're looking at. You know, they won't have to go, Well, that's cute, it's kitschy, but what the heck is it? So I think you nailed it with both of them. And of course, you know, working from your garage or outgrowing your garage, I immediately start of start of, you know, Steve Jobs and you know, all of those guys who worked in their garages, that's where my head went. Yeah, and um, it's funny because that's a really uniquely American thing. It's this idea that, you know, you can bootstrap your way out of your garage and grow this business from kind of nothing. And what I find really interesting about that is it's a little bit of a lie, right? You don't grow it by yourself. You have to have help. You have to find resources. You have to find funding. You have to find staff who will work with you. So you. There's all these places, but you really aren't doing it by yourself. And so that's a lot of what I really want to do with Outgrow Your Garage is how do we provide those resources to those businesses that don't have a lot of support through your traditional things. They didn't go to business school and make great connections. They don't have rich family members who can give them their first business loan. They're just trying to figure it out while also doing all of the work in their business. And so that's really what I love about Outgrow Your Garage is, yeah, we're going to get you into the commercial real estate space you want, or we're going to help you buy that next truck or do whatever it is you need to grow your business. But you're going to have that help and, and have those resources. And you're right. I mean, I started, and the reason I, I got so hung up on or so excited by you know Outgrow Your Garage is I basically did the same thing but in my house. And that was 20 years ago, and I'm still in my house. My office is here. I'm not budging. But you're right. I needed help, and I was doing it. You know, at the time I started this business, the internet wasn't anywhere near like it is right now. Websites were basic. I was building HTML websites that were very basic. We didn't have graphical user interface. We couldn't, you know, create the graphics that we do now so easily. Yeah, it was a very different environment and I didn't have any help. I didn't know where to look for help. And when I did find, you know, through the advent of, you know, people coaching and coming onto the internet and saying, hey, I've done this, I can help you. I was like, oh, there is a God. We can't do it on our own. We can, but it's going to be a long, tough slog is my point. Yeah, and it's so much harder to do it by yourself. And so... uh asking that help and having those resources is, is huge. And in my world, a lot of the businesses that I work with now are those, those trade businesses, those service-based businesses, these things that over the course of the pandemic, we've really come to call essential services. 
right? We need these businesses in order to operate and in order for those businesses to generate small economies, particularly in small towns, rural areas, um, lower income places, any of those um, places that kind of get left out of some of the investment that happens, uh, you need to have these businesses and they, and helping them grow creates jobs. It creates resilience. Sorry about that. I agree with you. While we're talking about the people that you, you're working with and you're helping, give us a quick list of some of the people that should be looking for what you're offering. So anybody who does uh, a service-based business works really well for us. So that could be anything from a graphic designer all the way to your local plumber. Uh, anybody who is in those early stage of business where they know a lot about what they do, but not how to run a business, right? So a lot of us go into business for ourselves because we love something, right? I loved urban farming and landscaping, and that is why I started my first business, which was a landscaping company. I knew a lot about plants, absolutely nothing about business accounting, marketing, uh, filing taxes, how to get a business license, none of that. And I had to figure all that out. And so I really want to reduce that learning curve for businesses that in order to scale, they have to hire because the thing that they do doesn't automate. You're not building software. You're not building a tech company. You're not building necessarily a product that you can outsource to a factory. It's really just you and the thing that you do. So those are the people who tend to get the most out of what we do. But then the other piece is that anybody who is a solopreneur, and really is in those early stage businesses. We host twice weekly co-working that's really troubleshooting, right? And talking to other business owners with comparable issues. And those are designed to mitigate some of that loneliness of being a business owner. Even if you have staff, you don't really have any peers in your business. It's lonely at the top, as the saying goes. So we bring people together at our co-working sessions to talk about those kinds of business issues and solving problems that you have that you just can't talk about with your team all the time. And, you know, and you're right about it being lonely. I didn't know that I'm an introvert. Everybody who listens to me who knows me knows that I'm a highly committed card-carrying introvert. I'm not shy. I get along just fine out in public for 59 and three-quarter minutes, and after that I need to go home and kind of catch my breath. But I didn't know that I was lonely because I like to be alone. I need to be alone. I need quiet until I began having those opportunities to meet up with other people, connect with other people, hire other people. And all of a sudden I realized that I had pretty much been operating in a vacuum. I was the only voice I heard. And I wasn't always giving myself great advice. And I think that's so common for so many business owners where you don't know what you don't know, but also you have your own individual blind spots, right? And so you're not always in your target demographic as a business owner. So bringing in other people who can help you figure out how to structure your marketing, but also there's a pile of stuff you don't do uh, and you're not good at or you don't want to be good at. And so in your case, if you wanted to go to a podcasting conference and really absorb a bunch of different information about how to grow your podcast, sending somebody else on your team might be the answer because you're not going to get the information you need to get if you're just tired of talking to people all day long. And so that's what I really love about bringing right. in team members is, is getting your business to the point where you can bring in other people. I have wicked ADHD. Uh, it's really hard for me to focus. I don't do well looking at a computer for a long period of time, and I'm also dyslexic. So for me, I don't want to be in charge of a lot of, a lot of the really nitty-gritty detail-oriented aspects of my business because it takes me longer than most people, and I'm not very good at it. So I wanted to hire somebody on that really closely as soon as I could in both my landscaping company and in this company because it will make a better company if I have somebody there who can check the details, make sure all my T's are crossed and my I's are dotted, and I have the right number on my invoices. Well, Jesse, I can almost hear people saying, but I just started. I can't afford to hire anybody. I don't even know who to hire. Do I hire an accountant? Do I hire a virtual assistant? What do you tell people who are saying, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. I don't have the money. Because that's a big problem for a lot of brand new businesses. 
they either think they don't have the money or they don't know. Here's my, my real question. They don't know how to find the money, which I think is more important. Yeah, so there's a couple of key things that uh, ha- need to happen in the first couple years of business as you're figuring it, things out, right? So in that first year, it's really hard to figure those pieces out because what you're doing is figuring out really what your business does. A lot of times when we start a business, we have an idea of what we think we're going to do, and then it ends up being something else entirely. And so you have to get through that learning curve of what's your real offering, what are your actual services, who's your target demographic, and, and so you work on that learning curve. But as you're working on that learning curve, think about your pricing. And the easiest way to set yourself up to be able to hire another person is to start thinking about the money you pay yourself as overhead. So if you're charging for your services, say you're a house cleaning company, right, and you're charging 50 bucks an hour for house cleaning. Um, and depending on where you are in the country, uh, that might be a reasonable amount of dollars to charge. That might be too much. It might be too low. Um, but 50 is easy math. So you take that $50 that you're charging for per hour, and you do a project, and it takes you six hours to clean the house. Great. You made $300. Of that $300, some amount of it is going to go to paying for the labor And some amount of it is going to go to the overhead of your business, paying your bills, uh, filing your taxes, filing your legal paperwork, paying for your website, paying for your marketing, whatever else you're paying for. So when you think about how you pay yourself, pay yourself part of the labor dollars, you're going to pay yourself $20 per hour of that 50 and invest the $30, but then Put yourself a salary, even if it's just 100 bucks a month at first, into that overhead. And the more money you can move to pay yourself in that overhead, the more that $20 an hour of labor frees up to hire another person. So if you're paying yourself both labor and overhead, then you can mitigate that by having those dollars. And so you're actually budgeting in your payment twice, which means you're budgeting for two people, even though all that money's going to you at first. So it makes it easier as your business grows to pull part of that pool out to somebody else. And that's one of the easiest ways to do it. It's actually something we talk about um, a lot at Outgrow Your Garage. And it's something I just put in our, we're building a course right now on budgeting for the future and financial planning. It'll come out November 1st, 2022. Um, And that has a specific part on different ways to pay yourself and budget into those dollars. Jesse, when you're working with people who are, you know, maybe a year or two old or maybe just starting, do you find that they're not paying themselves? It doesn't even occur to them? I found that pretty Oh, all the time. Yeah, me too. It's so hard to pay ourselves because you don't have a system. And that's one of the things that I think is really true about, honestly, a lot of business, not just early stage businesses, is – Getting your operations organized is one of the hardest things because in order to have a business, you need to have replicable systems that you do every time. And that's true whether you are needing a system to manage your client communication so that you remember what emails you sent out, you remember how you followed up with leads, you remember whether or not you've sent out invoices, which that's a huge thing for a lot of businesses. You get wrapped up in the next job and you just forget to send invoices out. Send out invoices. You did the work. Get paid. If you don't get paid, you have an expensive hobby, not a business. Building those operational systems is really hard for a lot of companies. And as you grow them in, it becomes easier to figure out where you can find the money and how you can hire another person and how you can organize your business to set yourself up for success. And these days, honestly, it's so easy to find – I mean, you can – Schedule yourself. I schedule myself all the time. I use acuities. A lot of people use Calendly. Some people use Google Calendar. They're easy, free, or very inexpensive ways to schedule yourself and keep yourself on point. You know, find those tools. You know, figure out what you're doing, what you're leaving on the table, and what you should have done four days ago. If you've got a note in your email that says, do this, you're like, oh, geez, go do it. Get it done. But, again, these take time, and it, it's part of those systems. But once you get those systems in place and you can automate as much of it as you can, life is so much easier. 
and things don't fall by the wayside and you don't lose that invoice or forget to pay one or forget to bill one. It's You don't want to do either of those things. Yeah, and I think one of the things we run into a lot as small business owners, um, particularly people who work in service-based industries, is learning new systems is kind of scary. Uh, it's hard to figure out what the right thing is, right? How do you evaluate if acuity is going to be better, if Calendly is going to be better? Uh, I actually use Boomerang, um, which integrates right into my email, and I really like that in terms of the user interface. But there's a million out there. If you search uh, calendar add-ins and automated calendar schedules on Google, you're going to get 30 results. And as a small business owner, you don't have time to sort through all of those. And it's intimidating because they kind of all do the same thing. So it's hard to figure out what's going to work best for you. And one of the things that I found to be really helpful in managing that is talk to other business owners. What are the things that they're using that work well for them? And not just what are they using, but why do they like it? I am transitioning to a new project management software right now, and I ask all the business owners I know, okay, what do you like and why do you like it? And so my friend that uses Asana really went through, she took me on a deep dive in this is how I use Asana, this is how it works for me. And my friend that uses Airtable took me on a deep dive and said, this is how we use it and this is how it works for me. And my friend that uses Trello took me on a deep dive and said, this is how I use it and this is what works for me. And so because I could see how the other people in my network were using it, I got a much better idea of what was going to work for me. And that gives me a good starting point. And I didn't have to sit there and do all of that research. And I think we forget sometimes as business owners who have all these things that we're thinking about is that you can ask for help. And, and if you don't have a network of people, go on social media and ask for help. Uh, there are a million Facebook groups out there that are specifically for business owners who have, are full of people who are willing to help you. And so find those places. Come to Outgrow Your Garage Coworking, and we'll help you through those pieces. And so whatever works for you, join a networking group, go to your local business meeter, join, join your chamber of commerce. There's all kinds of different ways. And so find the thing that works for you, and then you can build up that network, and then you can ask for help. And those people will also send you business because they know you. So it, it doubles in that building a community and functioning as marketing. Agree. And listen, there's something very, very pertinent to entrepreneurs or the entrepreneurial spirit. We like to help each other. It just doesn't occur to us to say, no, you know, you're my, you're in direct competition with me. As far as I'm concerned, I don't have any direct competition. I'm me. I have my own audience. Yeah, I, you do what you do and I'll do what I do. And if you need some help or a pointer, I'm happy to help. People just, People like us just don't say no. We're like, sure, let me point you in this direction, and if that doesn't work, maybe I can find something else for you. Or, and this is hard for us to say as humans, but sometimes we just don't know. And it's best to fess up to, I just don't know, but let me see if I can find some answers for you. But ask us questions. Ask other people questions. You know, ask, do not, I'm going to warn you all right now, do not go on Messenger or send an email says, can I pick your brain? That's an instant hell no. Just don't use that term on me or anybody else for that matter. But other than that, we'll help. Yeah, unless unless you know someone well, and then in which case use whatever phrasing makes Well, yeah, makes but if you don't, you know, what, and this is your first contact um, and you want to pick my brain, no, 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 no. Right, Absolutely. And and I think it's true, too, is if you find somebody who, um, for both you and I, I know we post a lot of resources on our website, on your podcast, um, on Outgrow Your Garage's blog, and on our social medias. And so that's another good place to start, too, is if you see somebody who you think might have good resources, dig through their social media. They might have something that has the exact thing you're looking for or addresses that exact problem. Go through their blog, look at their pieces. And then when you email them, you can say, hey, you did this blog entry or I listened to your podcast or I saw this post you made on social media. I have a follow-up question. Good idea. I like that. So when we're, we're talking about looking for help, it's out there. You know, there's companies like yours, there's social media, although I would caution you to not take the first um, 
you know, the first advice you get. There's also an awful lot of really bad advice in some of these groups. You have to really dig deep, ask questions, use your common sense, and then go study a bit. Don't just take the first, oh, heck, yeah, you know, go do this. Do something like what you did was get, you know, two or three or four people to show you how it works and that you can make your decision there. So, and that's making, you know, that goes to one of my other questions about making choices. As an entrepreneur, we do them all day, every day. We do them in our sleep. What are some of the big choices that you see people facing that they they didn't know was going to happen? If they were coming from working in somebody's office or somebody else's business and all of a sudden they're out there on their own and they're saying, oh, geez, where did this come from? So what are some of the choices that you see are fairly common for new entrepreneurs? I think it depends where you're at in that in that stage. And so one thing that I think is true for a lot of us is that um, you know a lot about how the product or the service works, but not a lot about how the business side works. So you get hung up on things like how do I pay taxes um, or HR is another huge one, right? If you didn't work in HR, even if you worked in your industry, you don't necessarily know how to hire somebody, how to set expectations, how to staff. A lot of new entrepreneurs are new managers, too. You don't necessarily have that management experience. And so hiring becomes really daunting because you don't know how to hire. You don't know how to evaluate someone. You don't know how to manage someone or set expectations. So you run into all these things that you just didn't need to do as an employee. And so that's a really tough one. And that HR piece in particular is one I always encourage people to ask help. And one of my favorite resources that's free is the SBDC, which stands for the Small Business Development Center. And they have a wealth of resources available for entrepreneurs in really any stage of business. And they'll help you through a lot of those legal pieces. They'll help you through a lot of those how do I X that are really technical questions. Um, And then a lot of times they'll tell you whether or not there's grants available. So like uh, I live in Colorado and our minority business office just launched a business foundations course that talks you through all of the legals, early stage marketing, how to grow a website, all these kind of basic things. And it's grant funded, so it's free. But then if you take it, you can also apply for funding for marketing. And so that's true in Colorado. It's probably true in other states as well. So if you talk to your local business office, they'll be able to tell you those things. So we're talking about the Small Business Administration? Yeah, so there's the Small Business Administration and then as a and that's the national organization. And and again, this is US centric. I don't know how many of your listeners are in other countries. I know nothing about business in other countries. Uh, but in America we have the Small Business Administration and then the regional small business administration's office offices are called the Small Business Development Centers. And so those are S B D C uh and you can Google that uh, really easily or just go to the Small Business Administration website and click the button that says, find a local office near you. And then you put in your zip code and it says, here's who to talk to. Perfect. That's great information for people who are drowning in, oh, my gosh, what's next? So one of the things that you and I talked about in our pre-interview was that there's a big gap in business development for trades and mobile companies. And when you say mobile companies, for some reason I'm thinking of the you know, the mobile veterinarian or the mobile people who come and wash your car. I'm sure there's a whole lot of others, but those are the two that I'm familiar with. What do you mean by that, that there's a gap in business development? Is it that they can't find funding, or what's going on there? Well, so what happens is the people who do business development tend to be people who went to business school or uh, they worked in the corporate world for a long time and then they decided to become consultants or they've um, retired and decided they wanted to help other businesses grow, any of these kinds of pieces. And so those organizations tend to be really focused on how do you start a consulting business or how do you start a company that's going to be an office-based corporation or how do you start a factory, right? And when you think about the trades and services, they have this different set of concerns, right? There's this limited amount of automation that you can do, right? I can't, um, if I start a house cleaning business, I have to figure out how to drive 
to my clients. I have to figure out how to schedule in time for that estimate to be able to determine how much it's going to cost and write up a proposal, do a project scope, give it to the homeowner, get, get it on the schedule. So you have all these moving pieces, but then you also have to account for the drive time. You have to account for consumable supplies like house cleaning supplies. You have to account for non-consumable supplies, your mops, your brooms, your vacuums, all of those kinds of pieces. Um, but you also have to hire in order to scale. You can't automate that process, right? There's no – if somebody hired a house cleaner and they said, great, I'm going to drop off the Roomba and it'll be 50 bucks an hour and then I'm going to pick it up in a couple hours and your floors will be clean, nobody's going to pay you for that, right? I can buy a Roomba on my own. What I want is somebody who's going to clean the baseboards and uh, mop the floor and do all the parts of cleaning that I don't want to do. So you have a different set of concerns, right? Your customer service operates differently because it's who's answering the phone, but also how are you interacting about the actual project? And that's very different than if you're starting a retail store, right? Everybody kind of knows how a retail store operates. People are familiar with your process. Whereas with a lot of your trades and services, you have to explain the process as you go. So back to your mobile pet cleaning business, right? You're going to drive your van. You're going to pick up somebody's pet. You're going to put them in your van. You're going to do the washing. And I absolutely want to pay somebody else. I have a German Shepherd. She's very fluffy. Um, I always, I love paying other people to wash my dog because if I wash her, I don't have a fancy hair dryer that is going to make her dry quickly. So she smells like wet dog for two days because I can't get her dry all the way down to her skin in that undercoat. But if I have a, a pet groomer, they have to figure out how do I have enough people to make sure the pet is safe? How do I make sure my insurance covers that? How do I talk a client through the process of what's going to happen with their pet while they're not there? Because nobody knows anything about your business. And so you have all these different concerns. And so that growth piece of how do you plan out how you handle those is just something that's not very commonly talked about in any of the business development spaces. And it's something I ran into a lot when I was working through my landscaping company because I had all these questions like, how do I hire a seasonal employee? And the HR people I would talk to would say, well, I don't really deal with that. And I'd be like, great, who does? So that's really where this idea of how do I help these businesses that don't fit neatly into traditional, traditional, um, in quotes, businesses, grow their business in a way that works for them. Right. And, you know, there are more and more and more of us popping up. We have to. I mean, things have changed Mm -hmm. since COVID and the mandates. And right now it's gas prices and grocery prices and everything else. I had a guy come by. Excuse me. I had somebody come by to fix my air conditioner not so long ago, and he really wanted the business, and he knew what he was doing. He's a new company. And he had to stop what he was doing and go pick up a part, buy the part, pick up the part. And when he gave me his his invoice, I said, well, where's the gas money? He said, what? I said, you had to drive. Look, I know what gas costs right now. I need to pay you for your gas. He was shocked. But I had to do it. I could not in good conscience let him take that gas that he had to put in his vehicle at a huge price cut into his business. He was grateful for it. And I said, listen... I'm going to give you some probably unwanted advice, but you need to work that into your cost now. He said, yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's so many of those things you just don't think about in that early stage, and it's so easy to give away things, especially in those service businesses where somebody is always going to tell you that they want to pay you less than what you're charging. That happens all the time. And so it's up to you to really say, no, here's what goes into that. Uh, and I love that you bring up gas. Uh, I just bought a house. Uh, not that long ago, and we've had a lot of people come in to do estimates, various things on the house, right? Our house doesn't have any gutters. We've needed foundational work. We've had all these estimates. And one of the things that I've seen on a couple of our estimates is it's a shorter time frame that the estimate is good for. And so they'll say, so whereas estimates used to be good for a couple of weeks, now they're really only good for a week because prices are fluctuating a lot. So they say, yeah, here's how much I can guarantee it, but then it really depends on supply changes. And then one of them, one of the construction companies actually had, here is the price 
assuming that gas prices do not go up. And I loved that because it was really clear of we can honor this price, but if gas skyrockets the week we do your job, we're going to have to put that in and we're going to have to up your price. But you know what it's dependent on. So I can see that. So if I look, if I drive past the gas station and gas prices is above that mark, then I know I'm going to pay more. And see, that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, this guy stopped what he was doing. He ran to the next town, which is not all that far away in terms of actual miles, but it's a river town. So there's a lot of winding. There's a lot of traffic. It takes mm-hmm. time. And he was chewing up his own gas. He had not budgeted for that when he quoted me the price that he was you know, going to charge me. I couldn't let him walk out of here and not say, let me let me pay for your gas. He's like, really? Is it really? But the thing is, and this happens, and it's not just the gas prices right now. I had something happen. Well, I'm in Hurricane Alley. We're in hurricane season right now. And one hurricane a year and a half ago, I can't remember when it was now, but we have so many of them, but it was the last big one here. My roof had to be completely replaced. My gate needed to be torn down. Well, it was already torn down. Uh, replaced. It didn't get replaced. My bathroom that had mold did not get done. You know why? Because my insurance company went into receivership, and the price mm-hmm. of wood and the price of labor just skyrocketed, kind of like gas is right now. So there's always going to be these things that happen that, as a consumer and as a business owner, you really need to to be paying attention. Yeah, and, and the better you have your operations in place and your systems in place, the easier it is to weather those changes. And that's really the key, right? Clients in service-based businesses, they don't care what the process is. They care whether or not they know what the process is. And so whatever your process is, as long as it works for you, as long as it's the same every time, and as long as clients know what to expect, that's really all you need to do at the start. And then you can kind of refine it for your specific demographic. Um, but it makes a really great starting point of here's what the next step is. And then you can turn your brain to solving some of the problems in your business that you need to have. How many parts do I need to order in advance? How many clients do I need to have in order to meet this revenue goal? How far out am I comfortable booking? You get all these other things that are really specific because you don't have to remember, oh, how do I send an invoice? How do I send this estimate? You're not reinventing the wheel every time you get a new client. Exactly. And when you're having to reinvent that wheel and when you're constantly going, oh, geez, oh, geez, what did I forget? That's time-consuming. It wears your brain out, and it doesn't move you forward. So whenever you can automate something, do it. Just find a way to do it. And then go on to the – and I will say this straight up. There's always another crisis around the corner. There's always another Mm -hmm. fire to stomp out. You don't need to keep stomping out those same flames. Get them taken care of and move on. Exactly. And then the better you get at putting out those flames, at setting those fires, the smaller they get. And that's the thing that we have this idea culturally that um, there's a joke I've really come to hate, which is uh, start a small business, work more hours, make less money. And like, no, that's not our goal. If you have good systems, you can make more money. You're not supposed and work to do it hours, that way. Is, it, right. That's it why does work out that way. Though. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. It does work oh. out that way for a lot of people, though, because they have not, as I did in the very beginning set up systems and, you know, gotten or hired somebody. I had an assistant for many years who was fantastic, and then she she's now gone. But, oh, my goodness. I mean, I depended on her for a lot of the smaller things that were important, but they were things that I didn't need to touch. I could go do the work that I do best. I could use my creativity. I could, you know, find new clients. I could build new websites. But I didn't have to work behind the scenes and when you're doing everything all by yourself, you're exhausted, and you won't make money because you are working, you know, 10, 12, 18 hours a day. So find a way to make it work. Yeah, and I find in that first hire, right, you always either hire somebody to do work in the business. If you're a restaurant, you hire wait staff. If you're a food truck, you hire somebody to 
stand at the window. If you are a house cleaning service, you hire somebody else to uh, do the cleaning. If you're a graphic designer, you hire somebody else to help with the actual graphic design, right? So you either hire that or you hire somebody to help you with the back-end administrative, right? An office manager or an assistant who does early-stage client communication. They fill estimates, send out invoices, they answer client questions, they update your social media, they do these back-end business tasks so that you can then do the billable hours and things that actually bring in money. And so you always need to hire one or the other of those. And then that kind of goes back to that talking about how you pay yourself in the early stage, if you're building money for yourself in each of those spaces, your overhead and your hourly rates, then when you come to hire, you have the option. And then you get to decide what you want to take off your plate. Do you want to take off some of that admin work? Do you want to have somebody else call your clients back and update them about the schedule? Or do you want to have somebody come in and do the actual work of your business, whether that's mobile tech grooming or graphic design? Understood. What I wanted to ask you, Jesse, you you talk about you have a small but mighty team. Let's talk about that, how you crafted this team, put them together, and how they work with you. Because I think that may be something that most people are saying, this is all wonderful advice, but I don't know how to hire anybody. I don't know how to find the right person. I don't even know what to ask them. And that's a big deal yeah. with a lot of small companies. They don't know what to hand off, how they can hand it off, should they hand it off. Yeah, it's it's difficult. It's a balancing beam. Yeah, and so I have a team of me and two other people, uh, and I cheated a little bit in this business in that I poached both of those people from my landscaping company, right? So I pitched the people that I was already working really well with and said, hey, I'm going to start this new company. Do you want to come with me? I think we make a really great team. So that's the cheater way to do it. So if you know people, you're already working well way to do it. And I use cheater in the nicest term possible. It's much, much easier if you already know people that you work well with in a professional capacity and who are good at the things you're not, great. Try and get those people to come work with you first. Um, if that's not an option for any pile of reasons that that might not be an option, then what you really need to do is be clear about what you want, right? What are you actually looking for in help? right? What are the, the specific skills that you need? What are the personality traits that you're looking for? Um, and then when you go to hire, if you know what you're looking for, you can shoot for those things. So one of my favorite questions to ask in the interview process is, what is your ideal work environment? And if someone describes a work environment in answer to that question, that sounds nothing like the way that you run your business, great, don't hire that person. So you can really think about what are those pieces of what do you really need, what's negotiable, um, and hire for fit over skill. You can teach a lot of skills. You can put someone through training. You can do those kinds of pieces. But it's hard to find somebody who can work with you. And so if you have to make a choice there, if you can find somebody who has all the skills that you want and fits really well in the personality. Great. Definitely hire that person. Um, but usually we have to make a trade-off somewhere, particularly in this labor market. Um, the other thing I would say on that is really be realistic about what one person can do. I think that's something that we do a lot as early stage business owners is we're really nervous about delegating because no one's going to love your business like you. You're right. No one is going to love your business like you, but that's okay. That's the goal, is that somebody comes, they support your business, they help your business grow, and then if they go on to something else, great. If they stay with you forever, great. Um, but you're able to build those systems around that so that people can come and go, and it's not a crisis. Everybody in your and business should be able to take a vacation, including you, and that's the goal of hiring. Right, right. And what you just said is really important, Dean, because you have to have those standard operating procedures in play you need to find a way to say, okay, you're having a baby and you're leaving for six weeks. Oh, you're going to stay home forever. God bless you. Now we need to replace you. It shouldn't be difficult to do. So if you have those systems in place and you know what you're looking for, it's not going to be seamless, I don't think, bringing somebody else on. But it doesn't need to be just, oh, my God, I don't want to do this either. Right. And I think it's never seamless. 
right? We have this idea, I think, a lot of people that you're going to be able to hire somebody and they're going to come in on on day one. They're going to know everything they need to know without any training. That's not true. Even if they are skilled in the position, even if they know their industry, they don't know your company and they don't know your processes or procedures. So the more of that you can have written down, um, and actually one thing that somebody said to me a couple of weeks ago that I love was that you can video record yourself doing things, and then you have this pile of training videos already created before you hire somebody. So every time you go to respond to a client email, you can talk out loud, okay, I go here to pull the email template, and I copy and paste it into my email, and then I find the client email address, in our CRM here, whatever, but you can talk through those processes and then you just have this set of processes and procedures that you can hand to somebody else that you didn't take any extra time to create beyond hitting record before you did a task. Right. And just, and I might add a little bit there, I don't like to watch videos. I'm one of those rare people who doesn't like TV. I rarely go to the movies. Make me watch a video and I'll, I'll be wanting to go make a gumbo. I've got to get out of there. I'll read it, though. So some of us would prefer mm-hmm. to read step-by-step step or bullet points. Some of us would prefer to hear it. Some of us would prefer video. So you probably should make it available to everybody's, you know, how they're going to absorb material. For me, it's reading. always has been. Yeah, and and you do what you have time for, right? And so right. if you have a pile of videos and you say, okay, this is what I have, and it's not available in, in reading form because you didn't have time to sit down and write them all out, that can be the thing that they do is go, okay, if you prefer to read them, then your first task is to run these videos through YouTube and read the transcript, right? YouTube provides closed captions and transcripts. So you can upload those videos and pull that. And so find a, a software that will do that. Otter is another one where you can run a video in and then have something mm-hmm. auto-create a transcript for you. So if you know those programs exist and you get somebody who wants to learn in a different style, you can say, great, let's upload this to YouTube and then you can read the transcript from them that they auto-generate. And if you have questions because something transcribes funky, then totally ask me. But you can have that be an automated system in and of itself. And that sounds perfectly lovely to do because I, I do a lot of that same kind of work myself because I, I have people on my team, some want videos. That's, they insist on videos. Others say, just give me bullet points. Give me one, two, th- or give me numbered points so I can go one, two, three, cross them off, and I'm good to go. So you have to find out how people are going to react to what it is that you're looking for, which leads me, I mean, I've got a couple of more questions, balancing priorities and work-life balance. And don't those two kind of work together? Are they? I don't see how we can actually separate them, to be honest. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is from Nora Roberts, the romance writer. And she, somebody asked her at some point about how do you balance being a mom with being an author and being a business owner, right? Because let's face it, if you are an author, you are inherently a business owner because you're getting paid for your creative endeavors and there's a business side to that. So she said that you're at some point you're always going to drop a ball, right? And it might be a personal life ball. It might be a business life ball. But the real trick is knowing which balls are glass and which balls are plastic. So when you have these priorities, right, what are the consequences of letting that ball drop. And if the consequences are huge and massive and shattering, great, don't let that ball drop. But if the consequences are, are there but not huge, that's the ball you let drop. So sometimes the choice you make is, what's gonna have the least amount of fallout because I can't do all of these things. And so as business owners, sometimes you choose your work over your life And sometimes you choose your life over your work and making sure you're doing those things in a way that doesn't light either one of them on fire is really your long-term goal. And as an early stage business owner, you're definitely going to choose work more often than the rest of your life, but that should get less as you go, right? Those first couple of years should be the hardest. And after those first couple of years, you should have enough systems in place that you can kind of weather things and go, okay, I have my systems, I have my demographic, I have some processes. So you can start to have a much better balance. 
And I was going to ask you, because I was thinking the first couple of years as well, just based on my own experiences, but I'm thinking if you're married, have children, a family, or you know, friends and family that you're very close to, you need to discuss that two years with them so they know what's coming and not just kind of go, well, you know, I can't go to Billy Bob's recital. Tonight. You know, just don't not have those discussions. It's very important. Yeah, yeah being realistic about how much time your new endeavor is going to take up and, and making sure you have those things, particularly if you have kids. So if you have been the person in your family who's been doing a lot of the cooking of dinner or – child care or taking the kids to their weekend activities and now you launch this new business, you need to make sure somebody else in your life is going to be able to take on those responsibilities because your kids still need to get taken to school, taken to soccer games, taken to whatever their activities are. Your family still needs to eat. All those things, bills still need to get paid. All that still needs to happen. So making sure you have those pieces and then create rules for yourself. One of the rules in my household is that no one is allowed to check their email in bed. Right. I work. I run two businesses. Um, my husband works for startups, and so we're not allowed to do work emails from bed. That was a rule because otherwise, we never go to sleep. We're like, oh God, this work thing, this work thing, this work thing. So we learned that that had to be a rule for us to be able to have a relationship around work. That might not need to be a rule in somebody else's household. So you find the thing that works for you and your family, and you keep talking about it. You don't just talk about it once at the beginning and then never talk about it again. Check in. Is our current system working? Do we need to make changes? Another thing I think is this just annoys me no end, and my friends who know me well don't even try this anymore. But if we're at a restaurant eating a meal or they're here, because I'm a heck of a good cook, I love to cook, and a lot of people would just say, when's gumbo time? Gumbo time is coming up. I, they know to turn those phones on and not answer them or put them anywhere near the table. Not going to happen in my home. And they're aware of that. If they're here, they're meant to be present. It's not a business decision. It's a personal decision. I don't want to hear you talking to you know, your brother about how his outhouse fell over and that actually did happen it was an outhouse that was housing a generator but I didn't want to hear it you know you're here for a reason put all that aside for right now unless it's really an emergency and turn it all off a lot of people don't want to do that and I think that's just too bad yeah you have to make those choices and you have to find the things that work for you and your relationships and that there's no one right answer and so I think that's no, there's not. where we get hung up a lot is, is that idea of like, oh, yeah, this works for somebody else, so I have to do it that way. No, the system that works for you is the system you use. So when we're talking about work-life balance and balancing priorities, you've been pretty clear about this. You know, make sure that you have the support systems you need, whether you're hiring support systems or they're in your own family or in some cases both. And Make sure, and you didn't say this, but I'm going to, you know, I'm thinking it, don't abuse those systems. If you say you're going to really work this hard for two years and you get to that two years and you're not where you need to be, it's time to rework that, that agreement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things I talk a lot about, too, is in entrepreneurs, a lot of our first hires our family members, our people that we know, our people who are already in our existing networks, are our friends. And so you really want to make sure that you are talking about and evaluating those pieces so that you don't sacrifice that relationship. Honestly, it worries me a bit when people hire from their family and they haven't done what I would call due diligence. I just fired my young, my lawn, lawn, I can say this, lawn care people because of that. He slid his nephew in who did garbage work consistently. And, you know, I guess he didn't want to make his sister mad, but he wouldn't correct the kid. And I said, okay, I found someone new. It was a shame Mm -hmm. because, you know, he was doing great work. His little company was doing great work, but his nephew stepped in and just made a hash of things. And that's where it landed. It's too bad. It was really too bad. Yeah, and and with that, if you as a client were mad that, the nephew wasn't doing quality work when the rest of the company was, you better believe the rest of the company is mad 
that that nepotism oh, is yeah. happening and that somebody is yep. being held to a different standard. So when you hire your family, when you hire your friends, you really want to make sure that they're being held to the same standards of everybody else in your company. You want to be even clearer about those expectations and those metrics. Um, you want to have that conversation about how you're going to handle work disputes before you ever even start the job. Uh, and those conversations are hard, right? We tend to not want to have hard conversations about work. Nobody likes giving negative feedback. And so talking about how to do that at the outset is a huge part of successfully hiring family members. Um, one of the things that I see a lot, too, that baffles me is I know so many people who work with their spouses, and I would never be able to do that, but it works great mm-hmm. for, for other people. Um, and we put a blog entry on that a couple of weeks ago from a relationship counselor. I said, hey, this is something we get asked about a lot is how do you work with your spouse and still retain a healthy relationship? And she was like, oh, man, I would love to write a blog entry on that. And so she did. And so if you check out our blog, that's something we have up there is how do you talk to your spouse about work and how do you talk to – how do you maintain a relationship around that without losing everything? I wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, I'm not married and I'll never be married again. I've done my time, but it's not something I would ever consider. Mm-hmm. And and that's, you know, fine for the people that works for. And I know other people who who can do that very well. Um, my mom and her husband run a company together and they do great at that. And I'm like, good for you. I like my husband. And in order to continue liking him, I need to not run a business with him. <laughs> understand that. So, Jesse, we are just about out of time. We've got a little bit of time left. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience before I let you go? Yeah. If you want more information about what you do, we are on Facebook. We are on LinkedIn. Our website is www.outgrowyourgarage.com. And as a special bonus to your listeners, we actually have a course on how to build systems and how to evaluate whether or not what you're doing is working for you. It is called Automations and Building Systems. And if you use the code PISUCCESS20, and that is P as in Paul, I as in something that starts with I, uh, integer, uh, success20, um, and I will make sure that you have that um, written down. Uh, so that Hi Success 20 will give you 20% off of our automations course. Oh, that's great. Do me a favor, Jesse, and email that to me so I can spread the word. I will. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much for, for being here with me today, and it's been wonderful speaking with you, and I thank you for all of the terrific tips and the advice that you shared with our audience. And before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us on iTunes, Audible, anywhere else you consume your business podcast. You cannot throw a stick on the Internet without hitting your partner in Success Radio. So find us and take us along on your success journey. And be sure to look for Jessie and connect with her and find out what she's doing, how it may help you, and let her know that you heard her over here. Thank you, Jessie. I really appreciate you being here. Absolutely. I had an excellent time. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab.